It's time to set out on the pathway to healing and light. This is The Inner Life on Relevant Radio. If you have questions or concerns about your faith journey, if you are struggling or searching for something more, if you are in need of some spiritual direction, our Catholic priests are here to help. One heart at a time. Welcome to The Inner Life on Relevant Radio. And hi again, everyone. I'm Chuck Naff. Thank you for joining us on The Inner Life, our program about spiritual direction coming to you every weekday to give you a little bit of help and really a little bit of hope on your journey of faith. Great to have all of you with us today and today all about believing in Jesus and entering the kingdom of God. Yes, we're all called, but at times we reject the invitation and then go do what we want to do. It's called pride, and it has a nasty way of getting in the way of our relationship with the Lord. Jesus. It's all part of this uh, Sunday's Gospel from Matthew. We're going to talk about that today. Here to help us on the journey, our spiritual director, one of our regular contributors, back with us once again, Father Joseph Ilo. Father Joseph is a priest in the Archdiocese of San Francisco, pastor at Star of the Sea Catholic Church in the Bay Area, and among the many ministries, we're going to talk about this today, too. He's been involved with, Father Joseph gives retreats to St. Teresa of Calcutta's Missionaries of Charity all around the world. Father Joseph Hilo, welcome back. Great to have you with us today. Thank you, Chuck. It's always a pleasure, especially on Fridays, to talk about the Sunday Gospel. And we're going to walk into that pretty deeply today, as we do every day. We'll open up our phone lines, inviting you and our listening audience to join us. Uh, we hope some of you will say yes to uh, to our invitation and be part of the program today. But Father Joseph, get us started. Sunday's Gospel. It's from the Gospel of Matthew. Give us an overview of what's going on. Well, it's from chapter 21, and there are two brothers. It's a parable that the Lord tells. One brother, well, the, the, the father has two sons. He asks them to do a certain task, and the first brother says, I will not, but afterwards changes his mind, his mind and does what his father asks. And then the second son says, yes, sir, but doesn't end up doing what the father asked. And Jesus says, well, which of the two boys, which of the two sons, did his father's will? And of course, the people say, well, the the, the first one who, who said he wouldn't, but he did. And that describes a lot of our lives as Christians, because we often have great intent. We often do not uh, accede to the will of God at first, but we think about it. Or we might have great intentions. We might have this kind of prideful delusion that we do the will of God quickly and always and end up half the time not doing what he asks. So the parable reveals a lot about each of us, our interior lives, our Christian living, and it's pretty uh, merciless, really. It shines a bright spotlight on the way we actually live our Christian commitment. So it's it's one of my favorite. I, I had a I, once I had two uh, priests I lived with, and one of them would always say no when I asked him to do something, but he would do it. <laughs> he would change his mind. And the other one, he was he would never say no to an authority figure, but often he wouldn't. So he'd always say yes, but often he wouldn't do it. 
And I said, you guys are like the parable, one of my favorite parables. I love you both. But um, let's try to work on actually doing what we say. Yeah, doing what we say, indeed. Let's open up our phone lines, and then, uh, Father Joseph, I'm going to ask you to share this uh, parable, this uh, Sunday Gospel, with our le- our listeners. But uh, let's open up our phone line, sponsored by Catholic Order of Foresters Life Insurance. It's a toll-free phone number, 888-914-9149. Don't forget you can email us as well, innerlifeatrelevantradio.com. But as we share the Sunday Gospel with you here in a moment, and as you listen to it, uh, think about your journey of faith, that time in your your life when maybe you rejected or turned your back on Jesus, but later changed your mind and came to believe. What was that like for you? What changed for you? Toll-free number again, 888-914-9149, if you'd like to join us on the program today. So, Father Joseph, uh, let's uh, take a moment here, and uh, can you share this Sunday Gospel with all of our listeners? Sure. This is a reading from the Holy Gospel according to Matthew chapter 21. Jesus said to the chief priests and elders of the people, What is your opinion? A man had two sons. He came to the first and said, Son, go out and work in the vineyard today. He said in reply, I will not, but afterwards changed his mind and went. The man came to the other son and gave the same order. He said in reply, Yes, sir, but did not go. Which of the two did his father's will? They answered, the first. Jesus said to them, Amen, I say to you, tax collectors and prostitutes are entering the kingdom of God before you. When John came to you in the way of righteousness, you did not believe him. But tax collectors and prostitutes did. Yet, even when you saw that, you did not later change your minds and believe him. The Gospel of the Lord. And praise to you, Lord Jesus Christ. So, Father Joseph, as you share that with us now, what jumps out at you the most? I, well, first of all, the word change. He changed his mind, the first son. And later, our Lord uses the same word. You did not later change your minds and believe in him. So, change is always a difficult thing. But it's always possible, change for the good, with the grace of the Lord. We we have always a second chance, and a third and a fourth chance. He, the Lord never says to us, you, you're, you're damned, you can't change your mind. He, as long as we live, we can change, we can convert, ourselves, we can turn towards him and be saved. Now, there will come a time when we can't change anymore. That is the day we die. So until the day of our death, we can always become a saint. We can always trust in God and surrender to reality with a joyful heart. After we die, that time is over. And so... We have to look always towards the day when we go back to God, the day we die, and say, it's it's, it's how I finish. It's not how I begin my life, or even so much day to day, but it's how I finish my life. If, If I die in the grace of God, I go to heaven. 
And all of our changes, our conversions before that day are preparing for that final testament of faith. Do I believe in God or I just believe in myself? And so this is a, it's a pretty quick parable. It's not very long, but it's, it's pinpoint accuracy on the dynamics of human psychology and how despite our weakness, we can change. As President Obama said in his election a couple of years ago, change, yes, we can change. We can change with the grace of God for the good. And, and then, Father Joseph, for somebody listening right now who thinks, uh, and I've heard it before, you have as well, I can't change. Somebody thinks uh, maybe they're so far down the road that uh, they're, they're so far gone that they don't have a chance at heaven. And uh, and I know a few people like that. Uh, you probably do, too. But for somebody listening today who thinks they can't change, uh, I wonder sometimes if maybe they, they don't want to change. Yes, and... As you say, I know a few people like that. Well, I know myself. Sometimes I think I can't change this weakness I have. And sometimes we can't. I mean, we'll, we'll carry our weaknesses and crosses throughout our lives. But we can always change in the sense of turning to God with what we cannot change. And so uh, we're, we're, with people that say, I, I can't change, well, that's true. But God can change us. All we need to do is trust in him. And then he will do whatever changing is necessary. So to be realistic, I can't ever be the kind of person I fantasize about. I can't be as strong and as intelligent and as good-looking and as successful as I would like to be or as another person is. But I can always trust in the Lord and his ways for my life. Hmm. So it, it takes the pressure off us to be, quote, successful. Mother Teresa would often say, you're, you are not called to success. You are called to fidelity. And that's what our Lord said when the, when the people asked him, what work should we do to be saved? And he said, believe in the one that God sent. Belief and faith and trust, those are the only necessary actions on our part for even heroic sanctification and eternal life. We are talking today about the Sunday Gospel and uh, that time in your life when you rejected or maybe turned your back on Jesus, but later changed your mind and came to believe. What was that like for you? What changed for you? We'd love to hear the story. Father Joseph Ilo is our spiritual director, and if you'd like to join us, it's a toll-free phone number, 888-914-9149. Stay with us. We'll be right back. You're listening to The Inner Life on Relevant Radio and the Relevant Radio app. Welcome back to The Inner Life on Relevant Radio. Call in now to share your story with our Inner Life Spiritual Directors. 1-888-914-9149. That's 1-888-914-9149. This is The Inner Life on Relevant Radio. Radio. 
Thank you for joining us. Just a reminder that our relevant radio toll-free studio line is sponsored by Catholic Order of Foresters Life Insurance. More information about employment opportunities to become one of their insurance agents. Information also about their flexible premium life insurance plans, all available at relevantradio.com slash Forrester. Thanks for joining us, everyone. Chuck Neff, along with uh, Jim Shaper, sitting in the producer's seat today. Nick Schmidt's answering your phone calls. And Father Joseph Ilo is our spiritual director. Father Joseph is the pastor at Star of the Sea Catholic Church in the Archdiocese of San Francisco, taking a look ahead to the Sunday Gospel. It's the Gospel of Matthew. Phone lines are open if uh, you would like to join us. We'd love to hear your story. It's all about pride. It's all about change. But uh, that time in your life when maybe you rejected or turned your back on Jesus, but later changed your mind and came to believe you came back. What was that like for you? What changed for you? We'd love to hear the story. And again, toll free. If you'd like to join us, 888-914-9149, our email address, Center Life at relevantradio.com. So, Father Joseph, we uh, listened to the Sunday Gospel, Gospel of Matthew. Talk a little bit about pride. What role does pride play into this parable? The pride is pretty evident in the first son. And you asked what phrase struck me in this reading earlier, and really the phrase that stands out is this Declare, declaration by that son, I will not. It sounds very much like Satan's non-serviam, I will not serve. I refuse to believe. I refuse to do what God asks. So that's pretty clear and obvious pride. And we have all done that at certain points. We know what we're doing is a sin, even a mortal sin, and we say, I'm doing it anyway. Or God is asking us to serve him in some way, and we say, absolutely not. So I will not is the first type of pride. But there's a second pride in the second son where he says, yes, sir, and I think he meant it. We mean what we say, that we want to do the will of God. We want to help others and glorify him. But the pride is that we think we can do this on our own. We don't beg for God's help. We say, well, I'll do this job, and I'll do it all by myself. Now, it's unconscious. But what we have to call to mind every time we set about some of some task of the Lord is first to beg for his grace. Lord, help me to do what you ask. Give me a desire for what you command and the grace to do what I desire, what you desire from me. So those are two kinds of pride. The second one is kind of unconscious on our part, but it's the worst pride because in the end, only the first son who had that flash of pride in the beginning actually did the will of the Father. And and Jesus says, the, the people that say no at first are the ones getting into heaven before the religious people. Prostitutes and tax collectors are getting in before the Jewish people. Now we hope and pray that everybody gets to heaven eventually, but we might as well get there as fast as we can and try to overcome our pride as quickly and effectively as we can. 
Yeah, and I think that's such a good point that we say, yeah, we're going to do this, and then we uh, try to do it maybe, but then for some reason we can't or we don't. But just uh, kind of uh, pushing God aside, I can take care of this. I'll I'll do this. I I really don't need you. I think that's such an important point to recognize that, yeah, we do say yes, but let's let's grab onto the Lord and walk into the the mission fields uh, together doing it. That's right. We often hear the phrase, I got this. And the fact is, we don't get anything without God's help. (laughs) St. Augustine, who struggled so long in his life with, mostly with unchastity, you know, he's the one that said more or less, give me chastity, Lord, but not yet. I think for, for 20 years or so, he lived with a woman and had a child with her, and he just couldn't give it up. And finally, he he did surrender. But uh, he, that's why St. Augustine is the doctor of grace, because all his grace in his personal life and in his teachings, he helps us to know that without the grace of God, and he said, Augustine, anything good we do is God's grace. Anything bad we do is, is our fault, which sounds kind of harsh, but it's real. It's true that we are incapable of doing anything good without God's help. Hmm. It, it's all grace. But we have to ask for it. Father Joseph Ilo, our spiritual director, looking ahead to the uh, Sunday Gospel. Phone lines are open if you'd like to join us. So we'd love to hear your story, the, those uh, times in your life when maybe you rejected or turned your back on Jesus, but later changed uh, your mind. Uh, we'd love to hear that story, what happened. But again, toll free if you'd like to join us, 888-914-9149. So, Father Joseph, do I presume as a Catholic priest uh, that you see people rejecting Jesus and then uh, changing their their minds and changing their hearts. That's what the sacrament of penance is all about, and it's the great, one of the greatest privileges of the priest after offering the Holy Mass to sit in the confessional and witness the grace of conversion before our eyes. I, right after being ordained, I remember, well, we were on our way down to the ordinations in the bus from the seminary, and one of the seminarians, we were deacons at the time, he had a little purple stole in his suit jacket, and he said, well, I'm going to be using this pretty quickly after we get ordained. So that, the sacrament of penance, John Paul wrote in 1984, is the forgotten sacrament. Most Catholics don't receive regular penance, the sacrament of confession or reconciliation. So I see that a lot. All priests do that, that hear confessions. And then, of course, outside of confession, we see people's conversions, and we see it in our own lives. Uh, recently, to be a little personal here, the Archbishop asked something of me that I thought I, w- I thought I just could not do. I thought it was unfair and unreasonable, and I didn't have it in me to do that, what he asked. But I prayed, I talked to godly friends, and it took me about two weeks, but finally I was able to make this leap of faith and do what he asked, and I found out it's not half as hard as I thought, and I'm being blessed by the sheer obedience, and I'm being uh, blessed by the, by the uh, practically what he asked me to do is just helping me and helping others. And so once again, I see that obedience is one of the, is the, is the queen of the virtues, that I desire um, obedience rather than uh, great sacrifices. And we can only be perfectly obedient 
if we ask for God's help. So conversion is always possible, possible in little ways. And I think all of our listeners know uh, how they obey and how that obedience is rewarded, even in the smallest things on a daily basis, from getting up in the morning and doing our prayers to making some great sacrifice at different points in our life. It's, it's always um, a grace received and a grace given to do what the Father asks. Well, and we talk about changing our minds, getting our pride out of the way, and sometimes the, the uh, talk about trust, but obedience is such a big part of that as well, isn't it? It is, and it takes time sometimes. Sometimes, as I say, it took me about two weeks to come to a place where I could just surrender and be at peace with that. So don't be discouraged if, you know, for a, a few days or a few weeks even, or even months, you're struggling and you, you can't... You, ha- you don't do this. You, we can always do what God wants. He never commands the impossible. But for some reason, we don't. Don't be discouraged, but get up the next morning and go back at it and uh, find find it within yourself to surrender to the will of God. Always asking. We can always pray. And, and, and so prayer is always the most important thing we do in our lives. Father Joseph Ilo, our spiritual director, looking ahead to the Sunday Gospel. When have you uh, turned your back on Jesus but came back? Toll free if you'd like to join us, 888-914-9149. Stay with us. You're listening to The Inner Life on Relevant Radio and the Relevant Radio app. Day 18, the Virgin Most Prudent, pray for us. Having reflected on the 14 titles of Our Lady that begin with the word Mother... We now turn our attention to the six titles of Our Lady that begin with the word Virgin. Virgin Most Prudent is the first in this section. Prudence is one of the four cardinal virtues, along with justice, temperance, and fortitude. Prudence is the virtue that resides in our intellect and allows us to choose the right means to good ends. The prudent person listens, reflects, ponders, and then decides a course of action that will give the most glory to God. Important decisions should only be made when you're in the state of grace. And since Mary was full of grace, we rightly call her Virgin Most Prudent. When you're faced with an important decision, strive to be in the state of grace and don't forget to ask Our Lady for advice. Mary, what do you think? Virgin Most Prudent, pray for the Church and our nation. Welcome back to The Inner Life on Relevant Radio. Call in now to share your story with our Inner Life spiritual directors. 1-888-914-9149. That's 1-888-914-9149. This is The Inner Life on Relevant Radio. Welcome back. Thanks for joining us on the program. If you're just tuning in, you're listening to The Inner Life on Relevant Radio and on the Relevant Radio app. This is our program on spiritual direction, giving you a little bit of help and hope on your journey of faith, helping you know you're not alone as you're trying to live out your faith. Today, our spiritual director, one of our regular contributors, Father Joseph Ilo, a priest in the Archdiocese of San Francisco, pastor at Star of the Sea Catholic Church in the Bay Area. And among the many ministries he has been involved with, Father Joseph gives uh, retreats to St. Teresa of Calcutta's Missionaries of Charity all around the world. This is our Friday broadcast, taking a look ahead to the Sunday Gospel. It's the Gospel of Matthew, and it's all about changing our minds, and uh, we invite 
invite you to join us. So we'd love to hear your stories. You think about uh, your journey of faith at time in your life when maybe you rejected or turned your back on Jesus, but later changed your mind and then really came back, came to believe. What was that like for you? What changed for you? We'd love to hear the story. And again, toll free if you'd like to join us. 888-914-9149. You can email us as well. Inner life at relevantradio.com. I know you don't want to hear this, but um, three fr- three months from today, Merry Christmas, everyone. And uh, we're telling you that. We don't want you to worry. We're not ignoring Halloween and All Saints Day, uh, Thanksgiving, anything like that. But we want you to know we're giving away 200 nativity sets to 200 of you lucky listeners. We want to make sure you have yours in plenty of time to display it outside your home and all throughout the Advent and Christmas seasons. And so all you have to do is winter to enter this nativity set. And by the way, it's valued at more than $500. All you have to go do is go to relevantradio.com slash nativity and register before October 2nd. It is a great way to say Merry Christmas to your entire neighborhood with your own beautiful beautiful hand-painted nativity set right in front of your home. Together we can impact our communities this Advent, making room for Christ, certainly inside our hearts, but also outside our homes. So sign up right now to win at relevantradio.com slash nativity. Father Joseph Ilo, our spiritual director, and I think I would be, uh, did you know, by the way, that you're part of one of our promos? Did you hear that? I heard that. I figured it was just because I was on today that you put that on. <laughs> it's on every day, Father. <laughs> oh, Patrick Madrid, yeah. yeah. Yeah, Patrick and his program. But, uh, you know, and I really, part of what I wanted to talk about today, certainly with uh, as a priest in the Archdiocese of San Francisco, can you update us on what's going on out there? Many of us are returning to public masses. I know in Wisconsin they've lifted uh, the dispensation. But uh, what's going on in San Francisco? What's going on in California? California right now? Well, in California, we have somewhat strict uh, limitations, but in San Francisco, I think we're the strictest in the country. And as it stands now, we're allowed to have masses outside with 50 people for, for about three months. It was only 12 people allowed at mass outside. Now it's 50. And then inside, we are only no masses inside and only allowed one person at a time for private prayer in our churches. Now, of course, the numbers are arbitrary. They're not based on any science, meaning one person in a cathedral that seats 3,000 people is uh, not rational. And then uh, 50 people, why 50 in a plaza the archbishop is doing masses in the outside of his plaza that is a football field big almost and so what's the science or rational behind that so archbishop corleone has bravely organized um, processions through the city to publicly well first of all these processions are um prayer. They're essentially getting together to pray the rosary and walk behind the Blessed Sacrament. So we had one uh, last Sunday. About 900 people from the mission joined about another six or seven or 800 people at City Hall. And from there, we went up 
the streets to the cathedral for a mass, actually 20 different masses because we're limited to 50 apiece. The police in San Francisco have been wonderful. We did a, a smaller procession from my parish with about 80 people and met another 100 people there at the cathedral. But we had a police uh, with us the whole time. He met us at the look from the local station is two blocks away and met us right outside the church and said, we'll be with you the whole time. And one of our older parishioners decided he'd look better in the back of the cruiser than in an ambulance. So <laughs> the police I love that. graciously, his, his daughter actually had texted a picture of him in the back of the police car, texted his, her mother, his wife and saying, dad got in trouble with the police, but we're going to try to get him out on bail. So it, <laughs> It was a joyful, we prayed three rosaries and a chaplet of mercy. And uh, so that was last Sunday. And then this coming uh, October 3rd is the uh, vigil of St. Francis, the patron of the city, and also uh, the closest Saturday to the Feast of Our Lady of the Rosary, October 7th. So we're planning another big procession, this time with candles. We hope to get 1,200 people from the mission walking to the cathedral. It's about an hour walk. And again, the, the police are, are said they're going to support us and close down streets to allow us to pass through peacefully. The, the archbishop will lead a uh, mass and then uh, we'll do adoration and benediction and then have a, a rose, one more rosary with candles in the cathedral plaza. There, there could be up to 2,000 people for that. So this is what we're doing. We're um, we're flooding the mayor's office with calls and letters and emails saying that we want to be treated just as everybody else does. We will operate in a safe and uh, scientific manner. We can do that. We, there's, there have been studies that of the over a million masses that have been celebrated since restrictions have been lifted in some states, no cases can be traced back to those masses of COVID. So it's a kind of an exciting time in San Francisco, and the the news media have been remarkably balanced and even supportive of the of the archbishop's call for fair treatment and uh, freedom of worship. I think it's it is a somewhat of a defining moment here of uh, in insisting on our right to worship freely, but that this is not actually a right that is permitted by the local governments, but must be respected as a God-given right and as acknowledged as such in the First Amendment of the Constitution. You describe it as an exciting time. How so? Well, when everybody gets together, (laughs) one of our banners said, we are essential, free the mass. That was kind of the the motto we came up with. But the the God-fearing Latinos in the city had a, a gigantic sign that said, Dios es esencial. Not that we are essential, but that God is essential. That, that without God and right religion in a republic, the republic becomes a, a tyranny. It becomes might makes right if there's no higher power. And the Latinos understand that. They have such a great faith. And the Asians as well, so many Filipinos and Chinese and Koreans and the Vietnamese are so faithful because they have lived in a country where, without God in communist countries, and they know on the ground what that looks like, what that means. And they see us heading in that direction. 
And so they, they insisting that God is essential to any peaceful and rightly ordered society. We must be allowed, for the good of all, to worship God freely. Well, and, and I think... Uh, go ahead. Yeah, go ahead. No, I was. You go ahead. I'm sure you. What you have to say is well, much more important think, than what I have to say. Well, no, no, not necessarily. But <laughs> I think um, in, it's a test case in San Francisco. I think the government is saying the local city government. Well, is religion that important? Obviously, it's. They would say it's not as important as uh, outside restaurants. The restaurants are all outside, but people are sitting without masks a foot from each other for an hour or two. Uh, they're supposed to be social distance, but you can't. And, and it, the restaurants will go out of business. The parks are flooded on on weekends with people sitting in large groups, no masks, and people have to live. And the government, the city recognizes that, but it what it doesn't recognize is people's inherent need for God and for worship. And so this is a test case that the city is saying, well, how important is religion? Let's just see if we can back it off of people's minds. And the people are responding in great numbers. No, we need God. We need to be able to worship freely. I think this will be a a sign for, for the rest of the country and for the... Now, it's hard to tell what pushback we'll get, in, especially after the next event, October 3rd. But, well, we, we put ourselves in God's hands. Hmm. Father Joseph Ilo is our spiritual director. If you're just uh, tuning into the Inner Life Today, a priest in the Archdiocese of San Francisco, looking ahead to the Sunday Gospel, and a little bit of time left. And uh, if you'd like to join us, let me ask the question again. We're talking about uh, really turning our backs on on Jesus, the parable of the uh, the two sons, uh, the which we shared with you earlier. But uh, when you look at your journey of faith, when have you uh, maybe rejected or turned your back on Jesus, but changed your mind? What happened? We love to hear the story and again toll free if you'd like to join us 888-914-9149 so follow let me follow up on what you were saying in terms of the authorities because we hear in this uh, parable from uh, the gospel of matthew that jesus talking to the chief priest and the elders and uh, tells them the parable and then basically says um, that uh, tax collectors and prostitutes will enter the kingdom of god before you because they believed and you you don't believe and so i see what's going on in san francisco certainly in some areas of of the country. I just wonder if in some sense the authorities, maybe in San Francisco, don't believe what we believe or maybe don't care what we believe. Well, certainly, I mean, it's pretty obvious that with the the curriculum in our public schools and the legislation that is promoted— that we have different beliefs. There's not, no, it would be very naive to say that we have a, a shared belief in a supreme being and, and the Christian, Judeo-Christian God. So we, we don't. There are differences there. But the question is, can those who don't believe respect the freedom to worship of those who do believe? It's a complicated question because there are there will be collisions along this path of believers and non-believers in how we live our lives, how we order our lives together. But to exercise this heavy-handed 
power of, of simply denying people wholesale their right to worship in a safe and responsible manner is is intolerable. So it needs to be responded to. Uh, the the recent uh, Catholic prayer breakfast in Washington D.C. Um, mm-hmm. William Barr, Attorney General, gave a really powerful and ten minute talk about the necessity, really, as our founders articulated to George Washington and others, the necessity of of religion, of appeal to a higher power. No republic can long endure if there is not an appeal to a higher authority. So what we're doing is is essentially patriotic, is essentially um, a social service in the minds, at least of the founders of this republic and of the long tradition of democracy in America. Essentially, we do it because we love God, but but it's also good for the country. Uh, yeah, and you know, we, as uh, as Christians, as Catholics, uh, following Jesus is not always easy, and this is certainly not an easy time for us who are trying to practice our faith. No, we, we uh, you have to be somewhat of a fighter. Everybody has to be because we are being pushed into a corner forcefully, and we uh, people who, who don't have the natural tendency to push back here in San Francisco are pushing back. They're defending the church. The people who never thought they would have to do this or never imagined themselves actually doing it are doing it because it's what it's easy, either that or be snuffed out, really pushed into our private little, but those who don't believe in God or, or don't believe in the, the public worship of, of uh, God would uh, just want to see religion be a, a very private thing. Never, there, there would be no influence of religion in the public square. And I think people are starting to realize ordinary, peaceful people, establishment Catholics, that this is not going to work. We have to be able to not only worship in our churches, they need to be reopened again, but we need to be able to speak about God in public and bring the Judeo-Christian tradition to bear in legislation, in entertainment, in the in the uh, schools, that this isn't something that, that Judeo-Christianity is not something we should be ashamed of or embarrassed by. It, we cannot live without it. Yeah. It, is the, it is the founding principle of our republic. Yeah, and you've probably alluded to it here in, as you uh, share what's going on in the Bay Area, but how are your parishioners? Uh, what are you seeing in your parishioners? How how are some of them reacting to all of this? Well, it's really galvanized our community. We are stronger as a parish than we've ever been. Just in, there are some markers. We, we added the third daily Mass. Now, we're doing all of our Masses outside. We were doing 20 Masses on a weekend because... They were limited to a certain number of people, so we have five priests in the rectory. Each of us were, was taking a, on Sundays. Each of us would take would do four masses. We had to get permission from the archbishop to celebrate four on a Sunday, and um, then on daily mass um, we added a third one. And the, the numbers have almost doubled in terms of I think they've more than doubled in terms of our daily masses. 
The income has increased by 28% this t- since la- this time last year. I mean, the Sunday offertory. People are looking out for each other. There, there's a new energy in the parish because people see that my faith is worth fighting for, I, I, and I can't live without it. The government's, in some sense, trying to take it away from me. I need the public, communal expression of my faith. Mm-hmm. So I think uh, COVID is the great revealer, as as one priest put it. It reveals uh, what we really believe. And um, thanks be to God, many parishes, many dioceses, many Christians have grown stronger in their faith because of this adversity. And that's certainly what happened here at my parish. Yeah. Are you seeing the kingdom of God? We talk about the kingdom of God, and sometimes I wonder, I'm sure we all do to some degree, what is that? But are you seeing the kingdom of God there in your parish in the archdiocese? Yes. The kingdom of God is among us, especially in the Holy Eucharist. And as I say, more people are at the Mass. Also, we have perpetual adoration, and whereas uh, before covid we were not able to keep open uh, one night a week. Now we're, we're seven nights. There's, there's, there's just a lot of people coming to pray yeah. before the Blessed Sacrament. And uh, there's, a, there's a real sense of family. And it's hard to have a sense of community in city parishes because people are so transient. People will come into San Francisco to work in the big companies uh, two or three years and they're gone. And so often off, the property values are so high that Families move out, people get married, our, our young adults get married, they have one children, two children, and then they move out. So it's it's difficult to have a sense of commitment and loyalty in a community, but I feel it now more than I've ever felt it. In this, t- It's just adversity brings people together. Yeah. But most Mother, of all, the faith has brought us together. Yeah. 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 So yeah. It, it's, been, it's been a good experience for us. Father Joseph Ilo, our spiritual director, I mentioned uh, throughout the hour that one of his uh, ministries is uh, giving retreats to uh, St. Teresa of Calcutta's Missionaries of Charity. I know you have a great fondness and devotion and love for uh, these uh, good sisters and certainly uh, Mother Teresa. What have you learned from uh, the from the sisters and, and, and mother in terms of the kingdom of God? And, uh, I mean, you talk about a tough ministry. Wow. I mean, that... That um, they have to, they you have had to learn just an incredible uh, amount of uh, of things about the kingdom from from these good sisters. I have I I tell people that Mother Teresa is my teacher. She's my mentor. I have a lot of mentors, but I read her writings every day, and then doing mass at her convents once a week. I, I'm doing mass somewhere at the Missionaries of Charity or in San Francisco. They have three convents. Three houses. So I've learned a lot. Um, one of the striking lessons I've learned is uh, cheerfulness during a time of difficulty where people are afraid and isolated. We never stopped doing masses for the sisters. We were told keep going into their convents. It's you know the public were no longer allowed to go, but uh, we would go in, and the sisters are so cheerful compared with the fear, isolation, and discouragement that's so rampant around us, these sisters have never missed a beat. One of them, Sister Salvina, God bless her, she 
got permission from her superiors to go down to the homeless encampments that nobody was attending to during the height of the pandemic because of the risk of contagion. So the government workers stopped doing their work down there. But she got dressed up in kind of a hazmat suit almost. Um, they never wear sneakers, but, she, you know, they wear sandals. But she wore sneakers uh, with with uh, the booties to keep her safe and everything. But she went down, and, and these people were completely abandoned by everybody during the – it's like the, the AIDS epidemic. It was Mother Teresa's sisters alone in the beginning that was tending to people with an unknown disease. And so it is again. And Sister Salvina was down there. People are living on the streets in these uh, tent cities and in cars. And she had such a radiant smile. She described how her poverty is enriched by their poverty, that Jesus works through these the poorest of the poor to bring uh, really an un, a supernatural joy, an unearthly joy. And you see it on their faces. So I think joy and cheerfulness at a time when that's in short supply, confidence in the future, confidence in the, in the uh, providence of God. These are things that I see every week when I go to their condiments. And we cook with them actually once a week, too. Every Saturday we go to their homeless shelter and prepare the meal with them for about 150 uh, homeless people. Wow. And there's nothing like being with the poor, touching the poor, you can't just read about it. You can't just give money to these things. You have to, as mother would say, you just touch the poor and and you'll receive that grace and that joy. Yeah. You talk about joy and cheerfulness. I wonder if the word courage belongs in there. And if that's not the lesson for us, be courageous in these uncertain times. Uh, the Lord is in it. God is with us. And we just have to, to uh, walk in that light and be courageous ourselves, don't we? That's right. It, it's, there's really nothing to fear. Jesus wasn't joking when he said, do not fear, little flock. It has pleased my Father to give you the kingdom. The kingdom is ours. You talk, You said the kingdom of God, where is it? Well, it's right here. I mean, it'll be realized in perfection in the next life. But it's we have already been given the kingdom. It has pleased our Heavenly Father to give his children the kingdom. It's It's within us. And so the fear we have is is an illusion of the devil. It's a trap, and we just need to break out of it and say, well, if I get sick or if I die or if I lose my business, God will provide. I don't know how he will do it. I don't know when he will do it, but I know he will do it. He will provide for me. And that's the uh, unshakable confidence in God's God's care that translates itself into courage and cheerfulness that I see in the missionaries of charity. Yeah. Father Joseph Ilo, our spiritual director, time to wrap things up. Fathers, you know, we like to close this hour with a final blessing for all of our listeners. May the blessing of Almighty God be with you to keep your heart steady and your wills uh, steady in the will of God to do what he asks. In the name of the Father, and of the Son, and of the Holy Spirit. Amen. Amen. Father Joseph Ilo, it's always a pleasure to have you on the program. Thanks for joining us today and sharing a little bit of uh, what's going on at uh, Star of the Sea Catholic Church in San Francisco. Good to have you with us today. 
Thank you for joining us. We appreciate that. And stay tuned. We're celebrating Mass in about two minutes. Don't forget 1230 Central, The Faith Explained with K.O. Clark. We are back on Monday. Have a great weekend, and we hope to see you then. Day 18, the Virgin Most Prudent, pray for us. Having reflected on the 14 titles of Our Lady that begin with the word Mother, we now turn our attention to the six titles of Our Lady that begin with the word Virgin. Virgin Most Prudent is the first in this section. Prudence is one of the four cardinal virtues, along with justice, temperance, and fortitude. Prudence is the virtue that resides in our intellect and allows us to choose the right means to good ends. The prudent person listens, reflects, ponders, and then decides a course of action that will give the most glory to God. Important decisions should only be made when you're in the state of grace. And since Mary was full of grace, we rightly call her Virgin Most Prudent. When you're faced with an important decision, strive to be in the state of grace and don't forget to ask Our Lady for advice. Mary, what do you think? Virgin Most Prudent, pray for the church and our nation.